Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing with Terry Manrique, a certified parenting and accountability coach. But first, let's do some catching up. Nicole, what's new? Mm, I feel like today was our last day of 70s, sad, but kind of, <laughs> kind of ready for fall. I mean, it's like late October. It's, it's time. It's time. It's time. Um, <laughs> Shay is, as of yesterday, enrolled in well, she enrolled on Tuesday, no, Monday, and we started her in Taekwondo on Tuesday. She's She enjoyed her first class. Yeah. And so this is coming. Um, I actually posed the question on Instagram and got, did you see my post about kind of kind friendships? No. Oh, so Shay's been struggling a bit in her okay. relationships, uh, particularly with a, a few girls. Um and so I just posed the question to Instagram, and I think I shared on the last episode, but uh, parent-teacher conferences, like she's doing great in school, but it's it's this relationship thing and just navigating these social situations that, yeah, we just need to, we need to be kind and, and <laughs> nice and, and that person. Um, and so somebody had responded on Instagram saying, what about martial arts or Taekwondo? I was like, what a good idea. I love that. And we actually know somebody, he's a grandmaster, not exactly sure what that means, but it sounds very <laughs> cool and important in Taekwondo world. But uh, he's he takes like at-risk youth. Um, people, yes, it's a, it's a very uh, mission-based organization and it's very diverse and it just has a great message about it. So I was hoping that both girls would... Um, want to kind of just join and, and give a try. Uh, Piper, totally not interested. Uh, Shay seemed to really enjoy it. So we'll see. I mean, there's like little three-year-olds in the class and then there's adults and she's very just infatuated with like the purple belts and all. The, so we'll see how it goes. But um, I think until she kind of gets the gist of it, because it's it, there's definitely just um, they ha have some type of uh, like a almost like a pledge of allegiance, basically, like um, it, at the beginning of the class. I don't know. It's it's very interesting to watch. It's very mm -hmm. uh, structured. Everything is yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh, mm -hmm. Just a lot of accountability, discipline. Uh, it's self-esteem building. Yeah. So I hope she really likes it. And awesome. going to Grand Rapids this weekend with a couple girlfriends. I'm excited about that. A little Fun. girls night away. We're going to do some shopping and some sushi. I have no idea what else, but I'm sure it won't be too too wild. We're just excited to get away. And okay, I've got to ask. So flares mm -hmm. and bell bottoms are yeah. supposedly back in. Have you seen these popping up in Columbus? I mean, you I work on a college campus. To... Like, are these being seen I, around campus? That's a good point. Well, everyone's been in shorts lately because it's been so hot. Oh, okay. Even even recently, even with it being 70 degrees the last few days, people are still wearing shorts. I have not seen flares and bell bottoms. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But you've heard of this? I feel like it's kind of been coming back for a while. Oh. Hasn't it? 
I feel I, like this is not a new thing coming back. I feel like it's been coming back for the past couple of years. The flares and bell bottoms. Years? Really? I, I feel like it has. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I am team I, skinny I jean all the way. I like the single. Oh, cuff. I am too. I'm digging the. Yeah. I like my little. I don't love boat shoes and. Yeah. Okay. I mean, especially you and I are short. Like it doesn't work on us. No, no. I feel like a a tree or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. (laughs) The stump, (laughs) the stump of your tree, the the roots. No, I totally agree. Okay. I just thought I would ask the question. What's new with you? Oh gosh. What's new with us? So we are officially hosting Thanksgiving this year uh, with our, with our kitchen remodel. We can finally fit more people in our house. And I'm excited about that. So unfortunately, we probably that probably means I won't be running the turkey trot just because we're going to be hosting and I just don't have time to go and run an hour and a half, you know, five mile run. Uh, so that probably won't happen. But I'm excited that we'll be hosting Thanksgiving. I think it's just fun for us. And Nick and I just we just we enjoy doing that. So that'll be nice. Uh, we had our my mother-in-law living with us the last few days. She was hospitalized for reasons I, I don't need to get into, but she did live with us for the past few days. So you can picture our house, Nicole. It's very small. Okay. We've got we've got nice space in the basement where we actually do have two pull-out couches, but she couldn't walk downstairs. Like she wasn't, she was not able to. Uh we usually put guests up in our room because it's, you know, it's got the full bathroom and we just come downstairs and sleep for a couple nights if we need to. But she can't, again, walk upstairs. She can't walk upstairs or downstairs. So we took our very nice, luxurious blow-up mattress and put it in our <laughs> living room. So it was in our living room for the past three days. And our living room is small, okay? So it's not like just, it's not this grandiose, you know, large open space living room. It is a very tight, I, I don't know, I want to say like 10 by 15 feet, maybe 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 15 by 20 feet living room. It's pretty small. Um, so she has been cramped in there, although again, very, very comfortable, <laughs> but just, we've all been very cramped with her here, but it's, she finally left today. I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. Like she finally left, but I think she was, she was probably ready to, to. <laughs> yes, I think so. But it was, it was a unique, interesting experience, but she's easy to live with. And, uh, we actually kind of enjoyed having her here. So that was nice. Otherwise, not a whole lot, just so much going on. Um, I don't know, just so many little things here and there going on. I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with all the things that we have planned coming up. Nothing too exciting, but just little things, you know, um, keeping us busy throughout this this fall. And I cannot believe it's trick or treat next week. Crazy. I yeah, it really is because after the after Christmas or gosh, after Halloween, it's like you snap your fingers and it's the holidays. I mean, it literally. I mean, it is November first. It's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I just can't believe that this year has gone by so fast. Yeah, Amazon. Did you get to ship to your house Amazon's like catalog of toys? No, I haven't received that yet. When did you get it? Uh, today. And my kids after school oh. were like, Choom! they like disappeared. <laughs> and my instructions were each pick a color and like circle the the few like that your top favorites. Yeah. But I said like go through the whole book first. That I mean they were solidly invested in this process for like forty five minutes. But the things Gosh. they chose. Like seriously, <laughs> always, always. We'll see what Santa has to say about all this. You know, seriously. He's well, I man. told you we're, we're trying not to talk about Christmas too early this year. Oh, so even yeah, if we yeah. did get it, I haven't checked the mail yet. But if we did get it, I am, I'm, I'm not getting that thing out for a few more weeks at least. Here's what I heard though: like supply yeah. chain issues, and that there's going to be like a short. Okay, you're not concerned no. about this. So here's the thing: 
I know what my parents, I know what my kids want. I know what they want. I, I, I have given them my phone and like have them scroll through Amazon and put things in, in their, on their list. I kind of had them do this throughout the year. So it's not just a Christmas thing. Like, oh, hey, you know, her birthday's coming up whenever and Christmas and whatever. If we want to, you know, if you want to get a little something or if you, you know, we're doing a chore or whatever, I don't do that. But hey, put together a list, you know. So, so throughout the year, they kind of pick out things just by scrolling through. I type in things like crafts or Legos and I just had them scroll through and, and pick things. Hmm. So it's not just Christmas, it's throughout the year. I, that's what I've been trying to do. Um, and, I, and I do realize there's a, a, a supply chain shortage and like all those boats are stuck in China or whatever. And I do, I see it. I mean, I work in food service. We, we're having the issues. I, I know mm-hmm. it's, it is a true story. It's not fiction. It is fact. But my kids will survive if they, if they don't get everything they wanted for Christmas and, or if something comes late, you know, I think it's going to be okay. You're not going to be in line <laughs> for like three days outside Walmart, like trying to get that. The- no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that is a negative. Oh man. All right. So before we begin with today's podcast, just a quick favor to ask, since you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach more people. So of course we'd appreciate it. All right. Today's episode is sponsored by Terry of Working With Parents. Do you struggle getting your kids to listen? Are you losing control of your kids and trying to get it back? Aren't we all? Do you simply need some coaching and strategies for being the best parent or a parenting team you can be for your kids? Terry can help. Check out workingwithparents.com for all the packages offered and start gaining more control of your life one coaching session at a time. Terry is offering our listeners a 10% discount on any of her packages. And take it from me, if you're wondering if her services will help, they will. Get help before things get worse and live a happier, more fulfilling life with your children. When signing up for a package, just mention this podcast for your discount. And if you don't live in Columbus, don't worry. Terry does long distance virtual consults too. And you'll learn more about Terry's services on today's episode. All right. So we're going to do a little introduction before we get into the interview with Terry. Uh, So today I had the pleasure of interviewing Terry Manrique, a certified parenting and accountability coach local to Columbus, Ohio. I've really hinted a lot, I think, in the past few months at our struggles over the summer just a bit on this podcast here and there, but I've really not given a whole lot of detail. So in short, Paige, our seven-year-old daughter, who was then six when this all kind of started to happen, and Cameron, age four, they've always been really feisty uh, with one another. They really have a a love-slash-can't-stand type of relationship, which I know is very common for siblings. The thing is, they are both very strong-willed and love pushing each other's buttons. This summer, Paige started turning her anger that typically started with a small argument with Cameron or Nick or me saying something that made her mad into a full-blown tantrum. And these were not like any tantrums that we'd ever seen. Uh, They were uncontrolled outbursts of emotion that would start with hitting, then escalate to throwing things and screaming. And there was honestly no way to calm her down. These outbursts would last 30 minutes, then an hour. Then at one point, they were lasting upwards of two hours uh, or possibly even three. During this time, we had to protect ourselves from her and protect Cameron from her as she did become very physical. Uh, The tantrum started as a once a week event, but then slowly throughout the summer turned into once a day and at times even twice a day. 
At first, I would say we chalked it up to her anxiety. We figured she must be nervous about her impending change of schools and leaving her friends because she'd been at the same school for years and she was going to be going to a new one. So we thought maybe that was the issue or perhaps since it was summer, she was just missing her school time routine. Uh, But after a while, we realized that our speculations didn't really matter. Whatever it was that was causing these emotions and outbursts wasn't going away purely by our speculations. Uh, Nick and I were fighting constantly because we were stressed. We had no idea when the next next outburst would would occur. We didn't even know how to handle our daughter at all or even how to speak to her. Uh, I also kept worrying about Cameron since I knew it was negatively affecting him. The guidance counselor at our school, so at Paige's new school, I actually reached out to her before she even started, uh, recommended Terry. And I didn't even hesitate to pick up the phone and ask her how or really if she could help. Terry was like a real life nanny from that show I used to watch as a kid, Nanny 911. (laughs) She came into our house over three nights for about four and a half hours at a time and helped us more than I could have ever imagined. Um, Once in the sessions, uh, once the sessions were through, she continued and still does to this day continue seeing us for parent coaching sessions. Uh, as different issues arise. So she came into our house for over three days, like I said. And it, when she left, I was, it was almost, it's, it's, it, I sort of likened it to when you have a baby and then you've got your nurses helping you uh, with your newborn and then you go home and you're like, oh crap. Now I have to do this all on my own. So when she left, I will tell you, I was very, very nervous because she was so helpful when she was there. But as I said, she does still counsel us um, t- from, you know, time to time. And she has uh, some great packages that she offers and even a, which she'll talk about at the end of our interview, like a prescription where you can, um, a subscription, I should say, where you can sign up for a monthly consults with her in, in almost like a group setting uh, at nine o'clock, I think every Thursday or something, but I'm, I'm actually looking into that myself. I think it's just going to be super, super helpful. So to say that she saved us would truly be an understatement. And I am so happy to have Terry on our podcast today. Right. Terry, so, so happy to have you on our podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, so before we dive into our interview, just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your family if you want. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm a mom. I'm a mom of three grown kids and I'm a grandma, which is really, really hard for me still to imagine. (laughs) But um, I have two grandbabies, four and uh, two. But my children are grown. I have a 27-year-old, I have a 23-year-old, and I have an 18-year-old. So we are currently empty nesters for the first time. So it feels amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been married for 28 years um, together with my husband for 33 years. So we've been together for a pretty long time. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, as you say, you're empty nesters. I don't want to say I'm jealous because I know that sounds horrible, but I am a little bit jealous. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's a I know good it's, feeling. <laughs> there's pros and cons. I'm, I'm sure yes. when my kids are gone, I will miss them horribly, but yeah especially in the time of our life right now. It's just, I, it, a break would be nice. So yes, yes, I know. I get it. <laughs> and then, and then for your job, you're just, you're still surrounded by kids. So you're empty yes. nesters, but you still, 
I love to, being around. Yes, yeah. I love being around kids. I love doing what I do. And, you know, they just fill me. And I feel like I'm, I have a purpose, right? And I think, yeah. I think that's what we all need, you know, to have in this life is to have a purpose. Absolutely. So describe what you do a little bit and what a certified parenting and account- accountability coach is exactly. Yeah. So basically what a parent coach is, is we help parents apply the best practices as possible when it comes to positive parenting. Um, we really like to incorporate uh, incorporate um, like social emotional development, uh, understanding that we need to have a connection before we can make any kind of corrections. Uh, we help them understand how you can implement time management skills with your kids. Um, how to be available for them for social emotional development, right? Being able to teach your child how to cope, you know, with coping skills, how to self-soothe and self-regulate, um, how to manage, you know, misbehaviors, how to really have a deeper understanding of what your child is actually needing from you um, and kind of getting digging deeper about the behavior and not just looking at the surface, but like digging deeper and understanding what's the child's need and why is your child responding this way or acting this way or behaving this way. And so really my job is to, you know, kind of open the parents' eyes by changing their perspective, changing their mindset about how they look at their child and what they think of their child Um, There's a lot of emotional intelligence involved when it comes to parenting, because if you think about it, you know, emotional intelligence is 90% nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. And when raising kids, you know, your first five years, that's all it is, is nonverbal, you know, communication, like trying to figure out what this two-year-old is trying to communicate to you while they're screaming their head off Mm -hmm. and extremely frustrated, right? So, my my role and my job is to really encourage parents and give them, you know, a lot of strategies and tools that I you know that I bring to the table as a you know previous early child uh, childhood teacher. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I completely agree with everything that you just said. I. I, I don't know. I think I feel like it's Nick that always says that you know there's no handbook for parenting, but it's not even even if there was a handbook, I don't think it would matter. No. <laughs> Because how many parenting parenting books actually are there out there and you can read them all. And it's just it really takes so much more of a deeper, deeper level of understanding to to be a good parent. So you you kind of alluded to your background. Um, What got you to where you are today in your parenting coach journey? Yeah. So I, you know, I've, I was a uh, early childhood teacher for about seven years. I did from infants to kindergarten. And then I was a director at a preschool private art integrated preschool and for about 10 years. And I, what I, my job essentially was really always about observation, observing the teachers, observing the children. And um, one of the things that I really observed is how well behaved our kids are in the school setting. And the reason that is because there's a lot of structure, there's a lot of expectations, there's a lot of consistency, um, and a lot of communication between the child and the teacher. And um, I would notice that when parents would come and pick up, that the child, it was like a switch was flipped. And as soon as the parents walked into the door, and this wasn't all children, but a good amount of kids 
would instantly just fall apart. Like they couldn't put on their coats. They couldn't put on their shoes. They couldn't pick up their backpack. And it was just like extreme meltdown instantly. And then, so the parents trying to, you know, engage with their child. They're happy to see them, but they're tired at the same time. Um, And they're trying to help them through this chaos that they're going through. And you know, at this point, they got to hurry up and get home because they want to be traffic or they got to get home so they can start making the meals. And so I would see the parent like this little one, like walking out with the parent as they're crying and in the car. And so I could only imagine the car ride. And then when they get home, so you're already walking into a home environment with a lot of stress. And it's hard for parents to turn that around sometimes when you don't have skills, right? When you don't have techniques to help a child self-soothe and self-regulate, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's has a lot of high emotions and, you know, before we know it, the chaos just becomes a snowball effect basically, right? And then the evenings are just not very pleasant anymore. And by the time it's time, parents are just ready to be done and and they're just ready to put their so their their experience is not such a pleasant experience and i think that's the hardest thing for any parent to say and i've had countless and countless of parents to say i love my kids but i'm not enjoying parenting mm-hmm. and so when i saw that you know i felt like i had a duty and that duty was you know an obligation to say you know what i think parents need more hands on help and like you said there's books, there's presentations, there's seminars that you take, but you know, that's all good and dandy. But I think the hardest thing parents have is how to implement all of these techniques. And I think that's key right there is implementing what you're learning because when you don't know what you're doing and how to do it, you just don't know what you don't know, right? So what you read and what you do are two different things because why we all have different perspectives of what things should look like. So as a professional in the industry in early childhood, I know, you know, what it should look like, how it should feel, how it should sound and how to implement these things. So I thought, you know, I need to start teaching parents and give them hands on by role, you know, doing more role modeling because just like our kids learn from us, you know, I, my job is to get in there, get engaged and actually teach parents of how to maybe change their tone, how to squat down, how to have, you know, you know, looking out for those triggers, like what can trigger my child and what triggers me in order for this chaos to happen, right? So when we can point out all those little things, it can make a huge difference in a family's life Um, and that's why when I work with parents you know I work with them for three consecutive days Mm -hmm. and they're just blown away they're like there's no way you're going to be able to change what's going on in my household in three days and the reason I can is because I'm able to see so many you know just body language tone triggers I'm able to see all of that that I can kind of help parents like you know, like weed through it, take out the, the bad habits and then replace them with positive habits. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I was definitely one of those parents that said, there's no way. I think I said specifically, <laughs> there's no yeah. way my kids will act up in front of you, especially Paige, who always puts yeah. on a show in front of everyone. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and lo and behold, she did, which we'll get into in a little bit here. So what types of issues do you mainly work with parents on and what opportunities do you notice that many parents have when it comes to parenting in a way that garners respect from their kids? Well, um, the biggest, the thing, the biggest thing that parents come to me is, you know, how do I get my kids to listen? Um, how do I get my child from, you know, having constant meltdowns and tantrums um, and it's really when they come to me, their first, their first response is, how do I get my child to change um, and improve their behavior? <laughs> Which, Gina, I'm sure you, you can relate mm. to this. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? um, yes. But, but really, honestly, the truth is um, children change when parents change. And my job and my role is to help parents understand that. And when they understand that they have to make changes, your child is going to make tremendous changes. And that's where that, you know, where we apply the CPR philosophy with compassion, patience, and respect, right? And so when your child starts to see that you're giving them more time, you're compassionate about their situation. You're compassionate about the fact that they can't get their shit together, you know, and, and, and it's hard for them. It's really hard. You know, we always say when your child is giving you a hard time, it means that they're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think parents don't realize that. They just think, you know, they're doing these things to me and it's intentional and it's not intentional at all. And the reason is because your child's brain is not fully developed, right? And a child with a, you know, a brain that's not fully developed doesn't have the capacity to do things intentionally, right? So we think like, you're giving me a hard time. You're not listening to me. You're not doing this. And it's all about me, 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 me. When really it needs to be all about them. It's all about you. What can I do for you? How can I help? you? How can I get you through this situation? How can I give you that emotional support that you need? Because you're having a hard time understanding your own needs, your own feelings, right? And so when a child starts to see that compassion coming from you instead of anger, so instead of getting, you know, um, frustrated, you know, you want to, you know, instead of getting furious, we want parents to be curious about a child's behavior. Right. And so children start to recognize that and they start to see, hmm, they're not yelling at me anymore. They're not making me feel guilty. They're not making me feel shame. They're not making me feel fear. They're making me now that I feel like they're understanding a little bit more about me and they're not pushing me to make these changes quickly and giving me the patience that I need to recover from where I'm at right now. And so when they see that you're, compassionate when they see that you're being patient they start to see that there's respect right and that you're respecting their space you're respecting them by giving them the time that they need to get through their emotions and you're not rushing them and so when they see that they return that favor by changing the behavior 
and by showing you equal respect as well. Mm, yes, this is I I feel like I'm having a free session right now with you, Terry. <laughs> I, I appreciate all this review because I know you've said all this to me and I write it all down and, and I and I'm practicing all that you've taught me and things are so much better since we met. And I think a little bit of it is because Paige has had counseling, but I think a lot of it had to do with just the support that you've given me since we had that three day intervention. And of course that, that, you know, three days uh, that you were here, which is so, so helpful. And I do remember, and I'm not blaming this on Nick at all, because I know we're both extremely stressful. We're distressed people. We work Mm -hmm. full-time jobs and we were having a stressful summer for sure. After COVID, things with his job were stressful. And I remember you kind of had a little intervention with Nick. And I love it because you were just so honest with him. You know, he was having a stressful night and just you could see how it was affecting the entire family. And it was one thing for me to tell him that, but for someone else, like a third party that's not his wife telling him that has made all the difference. Um, and he's, you know, he's a smart person and he is willing to, if he, if someone tells him something, he'll generally like think about it and, and, and make a decision on his own, whether he thinks it's true or not, but especially if it's not his wife. But after you had that little intervention with him, I think, I think it's, things have changed for the better for both of us because it's not just him who gets stressed and changes the dynamic of the family. It's me as well. So it's not, Mm -hmm. but that was so, so helpful. Well, I think the thing that parents don't realize is that our energy has a huge effect on the child's behavior. Yeah. So if we have negative energy, um, their child will instantly pick up on that. And there's a lot of research done on children by even taking their, you know, a test, their urine test, and they see through their, through that urine test, they see that there is stress Mm. uh, in their, in their bloodstream. Right. So you, it does transition over to your child and kids don't know how to interpret, interpret that, um, that stress. They don't know what that feeling is inside of them mm-hmm. and it feels very uncomfortable for them. And when it feels uncomfortable, they get nervous, they get scared and they tend to act out and make poor and bad decisions, decisions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, in you know, I'm sure your listeners can agree to this, but you know, an easy example is, you know, when two parents are arguing or a couple's arguing or, you know, they're arguing in front of their kids, you can instantly see your child's behavior change. Mm-hmm. And usually it's not for the positive, it's usually for the negative. And that is because the child is sensing negativity because negativity with negativity only equals more negativity, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. um, when a child picks that up, they tend to act out in the most negative ways. Yeah. Oh yeah. I see that. Absolutely. Even, even nights when I come home and I find that I'm buried in my phone way too much, which Nick points out to me often, uh, I think it affects my, my kids behavior because they're thinking, mom, you just got home from work. You're supposed to be, you know, giving me attention and you're mm-hmm. buried in your phone. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that I'm very attuned to that now. So when I first called you and told you about our issues with Paige, Um, Was it a story that you'd heard before and was our situation one that you could already sort of imagine in your head from previous experiences? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually when I hear parents' stories, you know, I, I, you know, of course I asked you several 
questions mm-hmm. um, to kind of understand more the situation. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been a story that I've heard before, and I kind of already knew a lot of the scenarios that were probably happening. Um, what happens normally is that we get fixated on one particular child and we don't see what else is happening around, you know, in our household, especially if we we have more than one child. And sometimes, you know, and this is just normal human behavior. I mean, because, and the reason like I'm able to understand this is because of my years of practice working in the school. And, you know, teachers do the same thing. Sometimes they get so fixated at just one child that they forget and they don't see the other behaviors from the other kids because they're just so focused. That's why I've always told my teachers, I don't want you sharing any information of this particular child and pass it down to the other teacher. I want the teacher to make that evaluation for themselves first for the first two weeks. And if they need more information from you, then you can share information. Because the way a child responds to one teacher can be completely different to the way they respond to another teacher. So if we already bring this child in with baggage, the child's already going to be labeled. And I think that's the worst thing that we can do to kids is labeling our kids. Because what happens when we label our kids? They tend to fall into that label. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, like I told you, Carrie, I was skeptical that you could help us at all. Honestly, when I was on the phone, I can still remember I, I had that first call with you in our in our bathroom upstairs on the floor. I, I don't remember why I was up there, but I was just like, I have to escape and I'll and I <laughs> called you and I just I don't know. I was skeptical. I, I know we aren't perfect parents and we have plenty of opportunities for improvement, but I was really hard set on Paige's behavior being part of her natural temperament and something she was just going through. Perhaps it was just a stage. Uh, I finally agreed to have our home visits and you started coming over after work for a few days. What were some of the first things you noticed and what were our biggest opportunities as parents? Um, And now that our listeners have kind of heard what we went through, maybe they can kind of relate. So just give us some tips. Uh, Share with them what what you told us were our biggest opportunities as parents. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think there is no such thing as a perfect parent. Mm -hmm. I think we're all looking just to progress right we want mm-hmm. um we want to progress and we want to do better for ourselves we don't want to do better for our kids and including myself like i am constantly still working on my own parenting journey you know when you have teens there's a lot that you have to do but one of the things i think that i noticed the most is you know one because you know you had your son cameron mm-hmm. and he's baby of the household right and i think that was one thing that was pretty clear that he was the baby and he was treated as such as the baby with, you know, there was, he, you know, kind of like, he's not doing anything wrong. He's doing the best he can. Um, But just by just watching, you know, how the bedtime routine was with him and how much we needed to do for him and how he needed to be really guided quite a bit for being, you know, a a four-year-old, um, gave me some red flags and that red flag is that hmm, I think we're catering to his needs and pointing out some of the behaviors from Paige and not having a balance here it's not it's not an even parenting there's not there's no even parenting going on here there's some and I don't want to say favoritism because I don't think that's the case but there's some things that we're not seeing 
uh, across the board. We're just being we're just paying attention to one child only and not seeing what the other child's doing. And I think the reason our services work so well, and I think the reason children make the changes is because they appreciate and they see that these strategies are being used across the board for both siblings or all all the siblings, right? And there's no favoritism or there's no babying, you know, one particular child or, you know, enabling another child. It's pretty much across the board about what our core values are, right? What what we're going to do here for the best interests of the entire family. And I think that's when you see the biggest changes from your kids, right? Because they start to appreciate, huh, it's not just me that needs to make the change. It's my brother too, or it's mom too, or it's dad too. And so when kids see that everybody's making changes, then they're more excited about working together, making the changes together. And I think they have just a different level of respect all around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can still remember being, I think we were outside on the swing the kids were on the swing set. We were just sitting outside on the grass or something or in chairs outside. And I can specifically remember I was, all I was doing was paying attention to Paige. She wasn't even doing anything yet. Cameron was having a meltdown right in front of me. And I was still saying, Paige, Paige. And you pointed that out. And I'm like, wait, you're right. I mean, Cameron's sitting here whining right in front of me. I'm ignoring him and just focusing on Paige. And it was kind of a light bulb moment right there. Uh, It was just, but it it took you being there for me to realize that because otherwise I'd probably be doing the same thing, just ignoring Cameron and letting him be the baby and uh, just focusing everything on, on Paige. So, and I think kids feel that pressure, right? They feel that pressure for parents. Like, you know, why is it only me? And when they start to feel that pressure of why it's only me, uh, then they tend to explode in different ways, right? And, or misbehave in different ways. Absolutely. So I, I swore to you that Paige would never act up and have one of her meltdowns in front of you. And for the most part, she didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably because we were focusing a lot of our attention on Cameron. So she, I think mm-hmm. she kind of liked that. When you mm-hmm. when you came over after the, after the first time, she kind of knew this is Cameron's time to kind of, you know, be put in his place because we did focus most of our attention, believe Mm -hmm. it or not, on Cameron. Mm -hmm. Um, But on our last day with you, literally our last 15 minutes, which was so ironic, uh, Paige was, I would say, presumably comfortable enough with you uh, to be herself. And Mm -hmm. not that she wasn't herself throughout. I think she was, but she felt incredibly uh, comfortable with you by the end. Mm -hmm. And you were finally able to see one of her a monumental outbursts. Um, and you taught us to hold her and to not let go until she was calm and relaxed. We did this when you were here for, I want to say it was probably more, it felt like two hours, but I think it was maybe like an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, Nick held her for about an hour and a half. It was extremely exhausting for me, even though I wasn't even holding her, it was just exhausting. Uh, Mm -hmm. it felt like by the end we truthfully run a marathon, but with this tool and the many others that you taught us, we've had significantly less outbursts. We went from honestly one to two per day to at this point, I would say she's probably, I can't even remember the last time she had one of those outbursts. It's been a while. She does still have them occasionally. I would say maybe once 
a month, maybe, but they're not even close to what they were before. So Mm -hmm. for parents out there who've had kids who who have kids who are prone to outbursts, do you have just any general tips uh, on what to do and kind of want to just walk through kind of what you taught us? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that any parent can do for their child when they have outbursts is we're so quick to rush the meltdown or the tantrum or whatever the case may be that we're so quick to rush it and we want to hurry it up and we want them to either a figure it out on their own um so either a we tell them to go you know like i don't i don't think timeouts work i don't think they're effective um it's not teaching the child anything and the child doesn't get any support from you to 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 change the behavior right or to even go through their emotions. So I think the first step I would say for any parent, and you know, this is just parents who are listening and going through some of this stuff is one, just to be, again, apply the CPR philosophy with compassion, patience, and respect. And that is be compassionate for your child's scenario of what's going on. Try to investigate a little bit more of what's happening and why it's happening and be there for your child. Let your child Go through those emotions. Um, let them cry it out. Let them, you know, let them start it from start to finish because they they need to work through it. They need to work through it in order for them to finally be relaxed and calm. And, you know, every child is different, right? So our techniques that we did with you may not apply to every child. And that's why you're like you said, even if there was a handbook, it still wouldn't apply because every brain is very different. Every human being is very different. And the way what we do with you and what we do with another child is completely different based on their personality type, based on, you know, what they, you know, some people, some kids just need to be right next to them. And they just need that, uh, that they need that companionship, you know, to be right there. Um, But the main thing is just to be patient and to wait it out. Don't rush the tantrum. Don't mm-hmm. rush it. Let them work through it and don't talk, you know, through it. Let them, I call it a storm. We never want to walk into a storm. That's the last thing you want to do is walk into a storm. What you want to do is you want to wait till that storm is calm and settled. And then you can help your child through whatever that they were needing help with. Then you can try to talk to them and figure out why they got there in the first place. But the main thing is to just wait it out and let them do it on their own. The only time I would say you need to hold your child is when they are destructive, when they're hitting, when they're kicking, when they're throwing. Um, That is the only time you need to restrain a child. And that's the reason why, you know, Gina, we restrained, you know, page because she was doing all of those things and we want to restrain a child so that we can let them know we're here for you we're you know the key thing though is that any parent that is doing this you have to be very very patient and you have to be very very calm and this is where that emotional intelligence comes in you have to have that self-awareness of yourself and you have to be in a very calm state in order for your you to teach your child to be calm themselves. So like I said, energy is everything. Mm-hmm. So if you have negative energy and you're trying to calm your child down, 
that child's not going to calm down because they feel you're anxious. They feel your anxiety. They feel your stress. They feel your anger. And so anger, stress, anxiety cannot play a role in this. You have to be in the state of calm. You have to be in the state of I'm here for you. This is not about me. This is about you. And what can I do for you to help you through this moment, right? And that's that's key. I mean, if there's anything, because you can do all these strategies, but nothing will work if you're not relaxed. Nothing would work because your child can read right through it. And there's no way a child can be relaxed and learn how to calm themselves down and self-soothe if you don't know how to self-soothe and self-regulate your own emotions. Mm. Yeah, and and what always makes it hard for us is that, it, generally when Paige has these meltdowns, it's when she's tired at night and who else is tired at night? We are. And to yes. have patience is mm-hmm. so, so hard, but you're right. It's the only way really through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And, and, and Nick is, and I hate to bring up Nick again, but we've had this conversation before and he knows that he does this, but he likes to walk into the storm and try talking it through. And I'm just like, you can't do that. And I think he's learned that <laughs> he's mm-hmm. learned that the hard way. Uh, after this past year, for sure. Um, okay, so I'm going to throw this. I, I, I didn't I didn't send this one to you, so you're not prepared for this one, but I know you get it a lot. Okay, so we asked our listeners what question they would have for you. And by far, the most common question was, what do you think, Terry? How do I get my kids to listen? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> a- <laughs> that's probably number two. But no, okay. the most common one was, and I've actually, I've, I've, we actually had a, a, a talk about this. I, I, I set up a meeting with you about this a couple months ago because I'm dealing with the exact same thing. It's sibling fights. Yes. We got so many people, sibling fights. What do we do when our, when my, when my kids fight? They fight like cats and dogs. Help, help, help. So just a couple tips. Uh, role a big playing. One. Yeah, role playing is big, right? So kids don't. We think kids know how to communicate. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to have conversations. They don't know how to rationalize. So, you know, one thing that you do all the time in a classroom is that you get in there, you get engaged and you role play and you give one child the words and you give the other child the words and you go back and forth, back and forth and you give them the words and you have that child say those words and then the other child and say, okay, now Cameron, you need to say X, Y, and Z. And you give Cameron the ability to say those words. And so role-playing and getting in there and giving the kids the words to communicate to each other. See, see the thing is that it's because kids' brains are not fully developed, mm-hmm. words don't come out as fast as their body language, as their, their, as their bodies, right? So they're very fast in their response as far as hitting pushing, kicking. So their body moves faster than their brain. Hmm. So their brain, you know, it takes a while for their brain to register what words that needs to come out, right? So Mm -hmm. that's why kids, their first response is to push or to kick or to hit because they're feeling something and because their brain still, you know, still on a, they're on a slow, it's a lower, you know, on a slower pace, um, their brain's still trying to figure out what words to spit out that they're, they're desperate. And so their first response is to, you know, use their body to communicate. Yeah. And so we don't really, oh, we don't want to get angry at our children for those things. 
uh, we just want to get in there and say, hey, buddy, you know, our hands are not for hitting. And I see you're frustrated. I see that you got angry and you had a hard time telling your sister that you're angry and that you're frustrated. But we cannot use our hands. Our hands are for X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we go to the child and say, you can't hit, go to your room. That's not good behavior, Mm -hmm. right? But they're like, okay, well, I was just trying to communicate. That's their form of communication. Why? 90% of communication is non-verbal, right? Mm -hmm. So they're just communicating to their best ability. So, you know, that's where you have to go in there and say, that is not how we communicate. We do not use our hands. We use our words. Let's try it again. Let's say it again. And so when you practice this and you give your kids the words, then those words become normal to them. And then they will eventually start using their words first and then they're, you know, and then work through things. Right. But I think role playing is the biggest thing that you can do to teach kids. And, you know, I'm not talking about early ed. I'm talking about even middle school, you know, because sometimes kids in middle school, you still are frustrated and they don't know they, instead of hitting, they yell. Right. So Mm -hmm. maybe they're not hitting anymore, but they're yelling instead. So you as parents need to say, Hey, that's not how we communicate because that is what they're doing. They're communicating. And so you just have to make it clear is, hey, buddy, that's not how we communicate. We don't communicate that way. We don't yell at our sister. If you need to tell her something, you need to use your words and you need to tell her, not yell at her. And so again, role model, give him the words, give her the words. What should it sound like? What should it look like? What should it feel like? And sometimes as parents, we're just like, what do you need to say? And then the child's staring at you like, you know, and parents get upset because they're like, why are you just staring at me? Say what you need to say. Well, they're staring at you because they're still trying to search for what they should say. So instead of expecting to figure it out, then you say you need to say and then X, Y, Z. And eventually they will learn to, you know, as they get older, then then you can do more role playing and say, you know, if this would happen, what do you think you can say? What are some words that we can use? Right. And then let them search for those words on their own as they get older. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Ever since you, you kind of suggested that to us. I mean, my, my kids are, they're at the peak of their fighting. I would say at this point at their ages, seven and four, four and a half. And I just, whenever they get in a fight, I just kind of separate them. And I do, it's usually Cameron who's the hitter and I will have him repeat how he's feeling and, you know, how to use his words, like you said, role playing instead of using his hands or his feet or his teeth. He's been doing that a lot lately, too, biting. Mm. Um, and it's good for him. And it's also good because Paige is, is learning from from me going over that with him. It's good. It's just a good review lesson for her as well, because she's gotten much better at that using her words mm-hmm. instead of kicking, which is really as of lately, I would say. I mean, she. She was also big on the hitting and scratching and kicking. And, and now she's much better at using her words. So she's learning as well. So I know our progress thus far is really from a combination of us helping Paige learn how to relax her body and her emotions like you were talking about, but also because she now sees us, like you said, working hard on Cameron too, and not just focusing on her, which mm-hmm. uh, so thankful that we've, we've learned to, to kind of see that about us. I think Nick was doing that too, but I will definitely take more of the blame in that. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) 
it definitely took you coming into our house to really help us see this all. So for anyone listening right now who might be going through some of their own struggles with their kids, can you kind of talk about your services that you offer and any discounts that you're offering our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So our company is called Working with Parents. And so you can just go on our site. Uh, we do uh, three services. We do, if you're in the Central Ohio area, we can work with you virtually. We can work with you in your home. Um, if you are outside of Columbus area, like I said, we can work, work with you virtually. And then we also have a membership program, which I think is our best deal that we have, uh, where we meet with clients, um, at, with parents every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern, and we meet four times a month, so weekly, um, for $97. It's a membership program. So mm -hmm. the great thing is that you get all the recordings, you get, um, you know, you get to meet other parents on there. And the thing about parenting is because, you know, this is not our normal of what we do and we weren't really, you know, parenting is a skill, right? And we have to learn how to communicate to our, you know, even having relationships, right? Communication is key in learning how to communicate, uh, learning how to, you know, have strategies and it's a practice. You have to practice, 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 and you have to be mindful about what you're doing. So it takes a lot out of you in the beginning because, you know, there's so much that you have to think about, you know, there's so much like, how do I respond to this? Because we're our, you know, depending on how you were raised, um, you, you know, revert back to the way you were raised. If you were raised by a dominant parent, you're going to be a dominant parent to your child until you realize I cannot do that. And so it's practice, practice, practice. So consistency is so important in parenting. And so that's why, you know, the membership program is the most ideal because you're constantly being reminded and refreshed about how to communicate effectively to your kids, how to communicate effectively to your partner. Um, and the thing is that when you learn how to do these skills, your whole family changes. It's not just you and your relationship with your kids, but you and your relationship with your partner really enhances uh, enhances tremendously. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's, you know, those are the three services that we have. And then uh, any parents that, you know, if they sign up with us, they get a 10, you know, they'll definitely there's a 10% discount um, on our in-home services, if that's something they're interested in doing. Okay, great. And they should just mention our podcast, correct? Yep, that's correct. Awesome. Okay, well, Terry, thank you so much, not only for helping me and, of course, my family, but for being on our podcast today. We really, really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, so what about some mom wins and new products or recipes, Nicole? Bring on a recipe because it's been a while. Oh, well, and it's been a while for me too. I, I told Mark, I was like, I'm going back into the archives. You know, he's always saying, oh, that was really good. <laughs> Too bad we'll never have it again because uh, <laughs> I'm always making new stuff for the blog. But I have been just so underwhelmed at dinner, short on time. The kids just seem to get like choosier by the day. Anyway, went back into the archives and found barbecue chicken quinoa bowls. So it uses rotisserie chicken that you just heat up or, you know, if you have it hot from the store, just toss it with a little bit of barbecue sauce and you serve it over quinoa with corn, red onion, avocado, I don't even like cilantro and like a squeeze of lime. I think that's literally, oh, and a little bit of cheese. It was so good. Anyway, the recipe's there in the show notes. Quick, easy, especially if you can make the quinoa ahead of time. It actually freezes really well too. So I'll make a bunch of quinoa and then freeze it like in a couple serving bags 
or just to nuke in the microwave, or you can do those 90 second packets, of course. Um, so highly recommend. It's a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds so, so good. I, I know you, you mention the rotisserie chicken often. I don't mm-hmm. know why I never buy that. I don't, I don't know why. I think the kids would love it. My kids do love it. The dog too. She's like, she can't even sit still. She gets so excited. She's, she just sits there like, ah, ah, give me some, like the smells, I mean, are so good. Um, and you guys have good grocery stores. So you probably have like the big birds, like some of ours. They're like so tiny and pathetic. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Normally I will say I get about a pound. If you take the skin off and spend a bit of time, just certainly the breasts and the thighs. And then also you know, the wings, there's not a whole lot, but if you, if you take some time and pick it all off there and I just throw it in a Ziploc baggie and kind of shred it with my fingers as I go, Mm -hmm. I just love having that on hand. And typically I'll get like one pound from a chicken. Oh, wow. That's not bad. That's, that's, that's not bad at all. No. Awesome. Well, I have to, I'll have to remember that. I usually, see, here's the thing. I think because I never go to the store, I always have it delivered. I'm thinking to myself, like by the time I get it, it'll just be all, you know, all that condensation in the, in the plastic container. I don't know. It just weirds me out. So I just need to go to the store. I can't tell you the last time I went grocery shopping, Nicole. It's been a long time. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So I I have, and I posted this on our Instagram and I say, I would a lot of you reached out and said, I love those. And my kids love those. They're hippies, chickpea snacks. Have you had them? No, but I've heard of them. Okay. H-I-P-P-E-A-S. And I don't know if all of them are made from chickpeas, but I'm guessing they are because the name hippies. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's the, the first ingredient I believe in all of these snacks are chickpea flour. So it's obviously not going to be as healthy and nutritious as actual chickpeas. It's going to be a ground up version of chickpea. But, you know, I I still think that's okay. And in one ounce of the, for example, vegan white cheddar uh, chickpeas or hippies, there's four grams of protein and three grams of fiber, which I think is is pretty great. And only 140 milligrams of sodium, which is nice. So the thing about them, my kids love things like Cheetos but they also love these. So this is an example of something where I'm like, you know what? If they love these and they love Cheetos, why wouldn't I just give them these? Because they actually have, you know, that protein, that fiber and not too much sodium. Um, Does that mean I'll never give them things like Cheetos? Absolutely not. But to have in the house for them when they want a snack every five minutes, (laughs) I'd much prefer giving them hippies because they actually do find them satisfying. And there's lots of different flavors. My kids have only ever tried the white cheddar. And then I think there's maybe a barbecue one that they really like. I think that's uh, we the one you guys tried... were talking about on Instagram. Okay. I think that's the one that Cameron really, really likes. They also have tortilla chips that we've never tried. We've only ever had the puffs. Um, but I will be checking those out for sure. Um, you know, the, the other varieties of, of, the, of that brand. All right. So we got a review. This is from Bella Joko. This podcast is my in my weekly rotation, honest, informative, entertaining, and relatable. I look forward to this show and really like the ladies hosting. Thank you. Thank you for that no, wonderful thank you. Uh, review. Appreciate okay. it. All right. So coming up on November 15th, we'll be dishing about five tips for getting through the holidays while struggling with body accept- acceptance and intuitive eating. Until then, keep in touch with us uh, on social media at dish podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. 
and check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. And if you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right, everyone, until next time, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.